As I mentioned a few weeks ago from this very pulpit, I love the book of Psalms. The Psalms are emotional and truthful and often very raw. In Psalm 88, which you will soon hear read, the writer is very honest and open about the search for God. You see, most of the Psalms of Lament begin with complaint and wind their way to praise. But not this one. This psalm begins with darkness and ends with darkness. If you have ever experienced some of the harsh realities in life, if you have ever felt abandoned by God and by friends, you will understand the deep pain in the psalm. You will understand the real tension in life between heartache and hope, between pain and joy, and between disbelief and faith. Thankfully, our second reading today is from the book of Romans and stands in contrast to Psalm 88. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is sharing with the newly formed church certain essential values. Paul shares imperatives in this passage that have all to do with relationships. The advice given is supposed to direct our living and help us to interact with all people whom we encounter, those who we know and love, those who are strangers, and yes, our enemies. The Apostle Paul is clear that we are meant to be in relationship with one another, and we are told that we thrive in community. Over and over again, the Apostle Paul reminds us that we are loved by God and that love should be at the heart of how we live as individuals and as a community. Hear now these inspired words. Our first reading is Selections from Psalm 88. God, you're my last chance of the day. I spend the night on my knees before you. Put me on your salvation agenda. Take notes on the trouble I'm in. I've had my fill of trouble. I'm camped on the edge of hell. I'm caught in a maze and can't find my way out, blinded by tears of pain and frustration. I call to you, God. All day I call, I wring my hands, I plead for help. I'm standing my ground, God, shouting for help. At my prayers every morning, on my knees each daybreak. Why, God, do you turn a deaf ear? Why do you make yourself scarce? For as long as I remember, I've been hurting. The only friend I have left is darkness. Our second reading is selections from Romans 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function. So we, who are many, 
are one body in Christ, and individually we are members, one of another. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. May God bless our understanding of this reading. The statistics are now saying that one in five people struggle mightily with mental health challenges. Look around that church, one in five people, there's a lot of us. It could be the person you're sitting next to, it could be a friend, it could be someone you don't know yet, it could be you, it could be your church leaders. You see, when I was a kid, I was often nicknamed Worrywart. I was a worrier about big things and little things, and probably everything in between. <laughs> you all have heard, I've talked about it, that I relied deeply on my faith when I was a kid to help me through and to be less anxious. Right, we've all been anxious. We've all been sad, we've had days or weeks or even months. But sometimes that sadness, that deep darkness that's talked about in Psalm 88 can be longer. I had a bout of depression in my college career that was different than anything I had ever experienced. The darkness, the sadness was overwhelming. Me, a young person who loved going to school, didn't want to get out of bed and go to class to learn. I knew something wasn't quite right. I didn't have the energy to go make new friends. I didn't have the energy for much of anything. I felt very alone and isolated. I missed home and didn't want to be in college. But luckily, I knew that something wasn't quite right. And looking back, I guess I was brave enough to ask for help. And help came from all sorts of places. Help came from the counselor that I started seeing that fall of my freshman year that I saw every week for five years until I moved back to Connecticut. Help came from the Dean of Students who believed in me and knew that I could make a difference in the world. Help came from my parents and from a very few amount of friends that I told my deepest, darkest secrets to. Help came from my doctor who prescribed me medicine. Help came from going out into the Worcester community 
and being with children who brought me joy and life. Help came from this amazing book, Let Your Life Speak by Parker Palmer. You see, I didn't feel like I was the person I was called to be. I felt bad and sad, and I felt like somehow God was disappointed in me for struggling. But this book saved my life. Parker Palmer tells of his struggles in a real and authentic way. Parker Palmer reminds us that even if we're depressed or anxious or sad, that God loves us just as we are. And that life takes its twists and turns. And sometimes we don't feel that presence of God or that love. You see, even though the stigma of mental health is, I think, reducing in our culture, we still don't talk about it very much. And church, this place where we come, where we say we are welcome just as we are, we don't even talk about it here, in this amazing place. Many of us can say that we have been in those dark places, like the psalmist explains. Some of us have bouts of it. Some of us have days of it. Some of us have lifetimes of it. And for some of us, it's genetic. And for some of us, it's situational. Yet we don't talk about it. And I think when we're in those dark places, those Psalm 88 places in our lives, our tendency is to isolate. And yet, if we listen to the Apostle Paul, if we look at what Jesus teaches us, it's not to isolate. It's to be in relationship with one another, as hard as that might be. Parker Palmer tells amazing stories in this book, including this one. First, his quote, the human soul doesn't want to be advised or fixed or saved. It simply wants to be witnessed, to be seen and heard and accompanied exactly as it is. One of the hardest things we must do sometimes is to be present to one another's pain without trying to fix it. To simply stand respectfully at the edge of that person's mystery and misery. He tells this story of when he was in his 40s, Parker Palmer, and he was going through a nasty bout of depression. Everybody was trying to tell him how to get better and what to do. But one friend, Bill, asked if he could come to Parker's house every day at 4 o'clock. He came and he had Parker sit down in the most comfortable chair in his house and he rubbed his feet. He didn't talk. He didn't give advice. He rubbed his feet. Parker explains how this transformed him. It was another soul connecting with him in this deep and powerful way, but not someone who was trying to fix him or make him better. 
That Psalm 88, that dark place, I think we can all resonate with that in some way. And sometimes I think when we're in that dark place, it seems like the final word, right? But it's not. Our faith in Jesus. Think of Jesus who reached out to people who were struggling in body and mind and spirit. Jesus reached out and cared and loved and nurtured. And think of the greatest commandment that we were given, love one another. Not love one another if they're happy, or love only the people that are likable, or love only the people that you like. No, love one another. We are meant to be in relationship with one another. I still remember it was 11 years ago, Betsy can correct me, because we did CPE, hospital chaplaincy work together. Oh, it was long and tiring because you're in the hospital as a chaplain, still in seminary, you're doing group work. One of our supervisors, Betsy can attest to, was not really my favorite. However, he did have some words of wisdom and one was, I think, perhaps the third day of this hospital chaplaincy where I was known as the young chaplain, because that was 11 years ago. We were doing a group prayer, and he prayed for those who have no one to pray for them. I can still remember him saying those words. And every prayer we said together, he prayed for the people who have no one to pray for them. There's a lot of those people. And I recently was reading a story about a Catholic Memorial High School in Massachusetts. It's an all boys school based in the Catholic tradition. And when the teachers gather every year before the students come, the vice principal always says, do you know how to show your students you love them? Call them by name. Call them by name. And they have taken as a mission of this school to provide funerals for veterans who don't have family or friends. Their goal of this school is, yes, to raise intelligent men, but to raise compassionate and faithful men. They've done six of these funerals so far, and their latest was a man named Timothy Fowler. He died at the Veterans Hospital close by to their school, and his address was Grove Street in Worcester, the homeless shelter. There were no family or friends that the funeral home or anyone at the hospital knew of, so Catholic Memorial got the call. Eight young men from the basketball team with their pallbearers, and they lifted that casket covered in an American flag into the chapel at Catholic Memorial. They didn't know this veteran. They just knew that he gave eight years of his life in the 1980s to serve his country. In the funeral, 
The president of Catholic Memorial gave the eulogy here at Catholic Memorial. We're a family, a proud family, a strong family, a compassionate family. We're a community that welcomes people in and accepts them for who they are. Timothy Fowle, welcome home. And then those young men heard about the service to his country. And those eight basketball players raised the casket and walked it out. And as they were waiting to lay him in his final rest, taps played. And thanks was given for the service to his country. Timothy Fowle's name will never be forgotten by those young men who learned about bravery and service and community and love. Friends, here at First Church, we proclaim that we're open, welcoming, and affirming. And we do a good job of that in many ways. We welcome people as they are, as they come. And yet we have this thing in society that we don't talk about. So I'm convinced we have more work to do as a church. More work to do because there are people out there who are lonely and who are sad and who need a community that has love and grace and hope to share. So I think we have to do better as church. We have to come and tell our stories and proclaim the good news of God's love. And maybe when you're greeting someone today, in this place, you can call them by name if you know it. But if nothing else, you can say, welcome home, friend. Welcome home.